Christmas Eve is probably my favorite night of the year. There's so much excitement, so much to be excited about. Uh, anybody in the room excited about presents? Anyone in the room excited about food? A little more response there. Anyone in the room excited about family? Better be the biggest one. Better be the biggest. Santa's still watching. Just kidding. In our house, we're super excited about all of that stuff, but one of the highlights of our celebration is Christmas breakfast. We love Christmas breakfast. And I know that when it comes to breakfast, there's very strong opinions on breakfast. And I wanted to kind of start tonight by doing a little would you rather. Which of these do you prefer? Which team do you find yourself on, okay? So when it comes to breakfast, here's one. Team pancakes versus team waffles. Who in the room, raise your hand, you're on team pancakes, all right? Who's on team waffles? Team waffles. I've heard it said that waffles are just pancakes with little nooks for syrup to hide in. It sounds, sounds wonderful. Here's another one. Some people are on team runny yolk when it comes to the way they eat their eggs, and then some people are on team cooked through yolk. Now, how many of you are with me? You like the runny egg, like the runny egg. And how many of you, it grosses you out? You need a cooked through yolk. Okay, do a couple more. Some of us, when we eat our cereal... Because we're not good at math, the proportion of our cereal to our milk isn't right, and we end up with more milk uh, or leftover milk when we're done with our cereal. Now, how many of you are on the team where you will drink that milk? Because it's the best, right? That's the best part. How many of you, you, you throw it out? You do not like to drink your cereal milk. You, you're missing out. You're, you're missing out. That's my Christmas gift to you is to eat your cereal, drink your cereal milk next time. And then, and then the last one is this. How many of you are on team bacon versus team sausage? Where's team bacon? All right. Where's team sausage? Oh boy. It's kind of cruel that you have to choose, right? Let's just say we'll be on both teams. Let's just be on team bacon and team sausage. You know, at my house, breakfast without bacon is like Christmas without Jesus. So uh, we're, we're big, we're big on bacon. Recently, I was teasing my girls one morning. It was breakfast time, and Caroline and Lilia were asking, what's for breakfast, Daddy? And I said, well, actually, today, we're, we're not having breakfast. And they're like, what? What do you mean we're not having breakfast? And I said, well, uh, today, we're going to pray and fast instead during breakfast. And I told them, the Bible talks about praying and fasting, and this is an important thing that we should do. And they thought for a second, and Caroline said to me, yeah, but Daddy, the Bible also says that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. (laughs) So they got breakfast that morning. (laughs) To be fair, she's not the first or last person to be confused about what the Bible says. And uh, as we're together here on Christmas Eve, I just want to ask this question. What does the Bible actually say about the birth of Jesus? What does the Bible actually say about the meaning of Christmas? And tonight, we're going to just take about 10 minutes, and we're going to look at the writings of a man named Isaiah, who lived about six to 700 years before the birth of Jesus. Isaiah is trying to help and reach a people who have been forcefully removed from their land. They've been exiled into the land of their enemies. They're at risk of losing their identity. Uh, They've lost their sense of who God is and how he works. And they're in a time of darkness, and they're experiencing deep hopelessness about their future. In the midst of all of this, Isaiah prophesies that a great hope is coming. And he uses the metaphor of darkness and light. The darkness that Isaiah writes about represents darkness in our minds, 
darkness in our hearts, darkness in our lives, and darkness in our world. This darkness uh, represents a, a losing of our way, uh, being confused and deceived in our thinking, an inability to see things accurately for what they are and what they aren't. This darkness also can represent pain and sorrow and despair and depression. And this darkness has power over us, or it can. Darkness has the power to both terrorize us and paralyze us. And here's what Isaiah writes in verse 2 and 3 of Isaiah chapter 9. He says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. So tonight, there's two things that I think the Bible tells us about what Christmas means. And the first thing is this. Christmas means that the light has come. The light has come. There's a show on ABC during December called The Great Christmas Light Fight. Anybody watch that or anybody familiar with that? The Great Christmas Light Fight. And here's what it is. Each episode features the light display, the Christmas light display, at the homes of four different families. Each home and their property are decked out with elaborate Christmas lights and uh, complete with choreography and extravagant festive designs. And they visit all four homes and then they decide which home has the best light display. And the home that wins gets $50,000. And I was watching this with my daughters. They really liked this show. And I had a few thoughts. Number one, I, I thought to myself, Americans... I mean, we can turn anything into a competition, anything. <laughs> Putting lights up, there's a winner and there's a loser. I also thought this. I suddenly felt very insecure about the lack of lights on my house and in my front yard. But then also, when they got that winning prize, that $50,000, I wondered to myself, I wonder how much of that went to paying their electric bill. <laughs> this morning, I was reading my devotionals out of a book called New Morning Mercies, and Paul David Tripp said this. The Christmas story really is a light story. This story is about the light coming into the world that has been sadly cast into darkness. Under the burden of the shroud of rebellion and sin, the world has become a dark place. In the darkness of immorality, injustice, violence, greed, self-righteousness, thievery, racism, and a host of other ills, the world is desperate for light. And then he said this, and this really jumped out at me. Everyone was part of the problem, and everyone suffered from the problem, but no one could solve the problem. And he's talking about this text in Isaiah chapter 9. Everyone was part of the problem, and everyone suffered from the problem, but no one could solve the problem. And you notice that Isaiah says, on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And that first word is really important. It's crucial. It's a difference between understanding the Christmas story and not understanding the Christmas story because Isaiah said, on those in deep darkness. He did not say, from those in deep darkness. And what that says to us is this. The light has come from outside of us. In fact, the light had to come from outside of us. We couldn't give it to ourselves. We couldn't make that light happen. That light had to dawn upon us. We can't give it to ourselves, but we also don't stop trying. Like moths to a flame, we just drift toward the light, always hoping that it will drive away the darkness around us and drive away the darkness within us. A couple weeks ago, 
I was listening to a podcast called Heavyweight by Gimlet. In this episode, it was about a man named Gregor, who 20 years ago lent some CDs to a musician friend. And those CDs became instrumental in making his friend into a a world-famous rock star. And Gregor never got recognition for his part. And so the whole podcast is Gregor saying, I want to be recognized for my part in this man's success. In fact, I also want my CDs back while I'm at it, 20 years later, 20 years later. Gregor's friend is Moby. Moby is a pretty well-known musical artist. And Gregor basically looks at Moby and says, Moby has the light of fame, and I want it. That light of fame and success and popularity is shining on him, and I want it. And at the end of the podcast, they actually set up a sit-down between Moby and Gregor. And it's interesting because as Gregor tells Moby, you got famous, I'm a nobody, and you got famous because of the CDs I gave you, here's what Moby said, and this is an exact quote. He said, let me tell you something about fame. The kick in the teeth of fame is that if you don't have it, you beat yourself up. But when you do have it, you're miserable and you don't want to live. And Moby said this, literally, the most depressed I've ever been in my entire life was at the height of my professional success. You think when you get to where you want to go, finally you'll be happy. But then you get to where you want to go and you're just as miserable as you always were. In fact, you're even more miserable because you no longer have anything to aspire to. And you feel this deep hopelessness because what's left? What's left to aspire to? Here's what I think Moby is saying. Moby is saying, I've been in the shine and in the glow of the light that I was certain would be enough for me, but it wasn't bright enough. It wasn't strong enough. It didn't last long enough. And ironically, that light led him into the deepest darkness of his life. It's interesting because as Moby and this guy Gregor start talking back and forth, Gregor reveals that he has two children. And Moby begins to say, man, you got what I want. You got a family that loves you. You have two children. And Moby said this, Gregor's figured out things that I don't even understand. And here's what's so interesting, I thought, at the end of the, at the, end of the podcast. Uh, Gregor's looking at Moby saying, you have the light of fame and I want it. But Moby's saying back to him, you have the light of family. And you have the light of relationship. And you have the, fight, the light of two healthy children. And I want it. And two guys looking at each other saying, I want your light. No, I want your light. And whatever you want most, that's your light. That's the light that you hope will dawn on you. And every single one of us sitting in this room tonight has a light that we're looking to and hoping in. It might be the light of power and control, the light of personal comfort, the light of financial security, the light of a storybook romance and happily ever after, the light of being seen as smart, successful, attractive, and interesting. But can that light, can that light really find you in darkness? And can it lead you out? Can, it, can that light lead you into joy and into victory? And another way of asking the question, although this might seem very dramatic and a little bit of a leap, is this. Can that God save you? Can that God do for you what the Christmas story says Jesus did for us? Your God. You might be thinking, well, that's not my God. That's just something I attain to. I just, this week, I've been reading an autobiography by a guy named Phil Knight. He's the founder of Nike, and he wrote a book called Shoe Dog. And in, in, in the beginning of the book, he's talking about his father, and I thought this was so interesting. He says, my father was a conventional Episcopalian, a believer in Jesus Christ. 
But he also worshipped another secret god, respectability. Colonial house, beautiful wife, obedient kids. My father enjoyed having these things. But what he really cherished was his friends and neighbors knowing he had them. He liked being admired. And here's what I think Phil Knight is saying. He's saying, my, my dad was religious, yes, but at least from my perspective, his true light, the light that he really wanted to shine on him, was found in the way other people looked at him. It was their approval. It was their acceptance. And let me just say to you tonight, that kind of light doesn't drive away darkness. It actually leads you into more darkness. The darkness of needing to impress others. How exhausting is that? How tiring is it to try to always be impressive to people and, in, and feel important in every room that you walk into? The darkness of the fear that comes from constantly trying to manage your own standing and your own status while also trying to manage the behavior and choices of people around you because your light might be respectability, as in this case. So even our pursuit of light leads us into more darkness. And Isaiah said that the light dawned on those living in darkness. And one thing I want you to notice before we get to our last thought, our last point tonight is this. They didn't go find the light. The people in darkness didn't go looking for the light and find it and discover it. The light came looking for them. And every other light that you go looking for in this life, you're going to have to chase it down. And you're going to lose yourself in the chase. And you're going to give everything you have and you'll lose your identity because your identity will be wrapped up in that thing that you're looking to. Where the Christmas story says, a light has dawned upon us. Jesus came. And so into the darkness, God sends a light. And people must have wondered back in the days of Isaiah, well, what would this light look like? And here's where we find our second and last truth from the Christmas story. Not only has the light come, but a child has come. A child has been born. And let's read the rest of Isaiah's prophecy beginning in verse 6. And this is a familiar passage at Christmas time. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign in David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So what did the light look like? When God wanted to send the light into the darkness, what did it look like? It didn't look like just a bunch of information. It didn't look like a bunch of inspiration. It wasn't uh, enlightenment. It wasn't a moral code. It wasn't a list of things to do and a list of things not to do. When God wanted to send the light into the darkness, he sent a child. And earlier this week, I read a, a tweet from a pastor in New York City, and he said this, the defender of the weak became weak and defenseless. The one who covers all became naked and exposed. The one who cares for all becomes helpless and needing care. And the one who holds it all together needed as a baby to be held tightly. And this is the mystery of the incarnation. A child has come. So what do we do at Christmas time as I close? We look at Jesus. Did you notice Isaiah gave Jesus four different titles? As the wonderful counselor, this is what it means. Jesus has insight into the human condition and he has wisdom for your life. 
the, the wisdom and the insight that we all desperately seek. So let us seek to know his ways and follow after him. As the mighty God, this means that Jesus defeats his enemies with ease and he protects and he cares for his people. So let us trust in him and let us hide ourselves in him. As the everlasting father, he loves us endlessly and he welcomes us into his family, adopting us into his family. So let us enjoy him. Let us be his children and love him in return. And as the Prince of Peace, he reconciled us to himself while we were still his enemies. So let us welcome his reign and let us welcome his rule. My devotion finished this way this morning. It's Paul David Tripp wrote these words. God's solution was the only way. He sent the one who is light to be the light that would light the world by his grace. He came into the darkness so that we could know light and life forever. Here is the Christmas story. Only light can defeat darkness. And the light has come. The light has come. Or as Isaiah said, 700 years before the birth of Jesus, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Let's bow our heads in prayer.